Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, nerds, and welcome to the Engadget Podcast. This is episode 31, Look Inside America. I am your host, Terrence O'Brien, and I am joined this week by a trio of out-of-towners. We have a special all-British episode. Um, we Unfortunately, there's not a lot of British tech news to talk about, so uh, we're actually going to talk about America, the greatest country, guys. <laughs> a country. A sure. country. A country. Uh, so joining me this week, we have on the far left, James True. Hi, Terrence. Uh, we've got Matt Smith. Hey, Terry. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> and Aaron Sipporahs. Hi, uh. Who I, uh, oh, I'm always afraid I'm going to butcher your name, but I, I didn't. No, All right. Cool. We're good. Is. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, I just don't know how to pronounce things. Um, that's like my thing. You're Terrence O'Brien, right? Yeah, yeah. O'Brien. Yeah. O'Brien. That's nice. So how are you guys doing? You uh, a little tired, a little jet lagged? Various degrees of jet lagged. I think Matt much worse than I because I came yeah, in last Friday. I think this transmits well on a podcast video, but yeah, I'm really <laughs> quite tired now. Um, brain is failing. Uh, I'll be playing the role in the podcast of I understand the story, but what do you think about the story? <laughs> yeah, You're right. just going to ask a lot of questions. Yeah, I think I'll be better once this rehearsal's over and we can start the podcast proper. Oh no, no this is the real thing. Mm. It's going well so far, right? Sure. We run a real professional uh, operation here, guys. Um, <laughs> so why don't we get right to it, because there's only so much time in the day, and there's so many things to talk about. Let's start, as we do every week, with Flame Wars. This is where we kind of uh, debate the biggest stories of the week. This is largely a, um, you know, kind of intellectual exercise, play devil's advocate and all that stuff. Uh, I want to start with a story that I thought was pretty interesting um i'm actually kind of amazed that it took this long to happen which is that consumer reports um for the three of you who don't live in america and apparently had no idea what consumer reports is which this is going to be a real good conversation yeah. <laughs> and we have an analogy we have a a, a british equivalent uh, i think we which is we were what saying do you think it's called terence i have no idea which name would it have oh, oh. Uh, it's called which it's called which right. okay so which with an h Okay, so which and consumer reports are roughly the same idea? Uh, one is a lot more prestigious, okay, a lot less British. All right, <laughs> and uh, presumably that's consumer reports. <laughs> You're there. You're right there with us. Um, so yeah, I mean, they finally decided they're going to start rating and ranking products based on their security and privacy features um, for a outlet that recommends products, especially connected home products and stuff. It seems like this is kind of a long time coming. Uh, but I kind of wanted to ask you guys, you know, whether or not this is kind of long overdue or is this something that, you know, it's not easy to implement. It's not the sort of thing that people saw coming. Yeah, I don't like, know. I, I, I agree that it's overdue. At the same time, as, like, an entity that reviews products, it's tough to know. Like, not everyone is a security expert, and it's going to be a huge undertaking for them to really be able to give that early judgment on a product's security and privacy until the security community has been able to properly test the product. So it's a huge undertaking. It's difficult for them to do. So well done on them for taking it on. Do you think it's partially a thing of just this is, for them, new territory? I mean, generally, Consumer Reports focuses on, like, cars and appliances and stuff. And, you know, now that we have connected refrigerators, they were still thinking about it just as a refrigerator and not as, like, a piece of internet-connected mm. uh, an appliance or whatever. I mean, this is definitely the challenge for them. I think Aaron was right in saying oftentimes you don't even know what the privacy issue is until it becomes an issue later on. So I'd be interested to know how they're going to do it. Have they specified um, 
their method? So uh, I honestly didn't get a chance to finish reading their full post about it. There are some details about how they're going to do it. It's a surprisingly detailed uh, blog post about it. They're partnering with um, some other organizations. Oh, yeah, to the help cyber them. independent testing lab. Yes. Definitely didn't read that off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not staring at our article about it right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've got lots of tools, and they're very well-versed in, you know, typical security practices. Um, but, yeah, I think, like we've all touched on now, it's more you might look at a product when it like before it launches and when it arrives, and you think, yeah, this is very secure, it ticks all our boxes, and then two months later, someone's broken yeah, it open. And, and that's the, the biggest worry I have with this whole thing is, sure, they're saying it's not going to be, like, a recommendation on security, but if you're saying if you're making definitive statements on a product security are you going to load those people into a false sense of security mm -hmm. part of the pun like apple employs dozens of people to make sure your iphone is secure every couple of months an iphone floor is revealed and if you're telling people that their fridge is secure and then if it's like my mom, she's not going to go update her fridge and make sure that it's always on the latest version. And I mean, she's just going to think that it's secure. And yeah. So how are they balancing that? I mean, it could be that they're just going to establish this baseline of it, the security isn't terrible. It isn't... They've you thought know, about this. Yeah. yeah, I think a baseline is a better judgment and measure for security rather than saying, you know, this is impregnable. It will solve all your worries. You'll be safe forever. It's just saying... It's not terrible. It's not a robot teddy bear that records your children's conversations and then oh, tries Jesus. to sell them snacks and stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, and like you said, it's, it's a move in the right direction. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a surprise it's taken this long to get here when we've had Nest for years. Well, and I want to know, is, is it going to be someone's job to have to read through the terms and conditions? Um, you know, because no one ever does that, right? I mean, at least I assume no one does that. You know, scroll to the bottom. I mean, it's Consumer Reports' job to do that. That's like that's kind of like what they do is they they're mm -hmm. going to be reading that stuff so that we don't have to. Just like you know, consumerist does that sort of like digging through these things. I've actually heard James's sigh then from over there. So, is it like hardware they review, or do they do software as well? I think they do almost entirely hardware. Actually, because like ninety percent of like problems now is in software and privacy on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. So like if if you tell me how secure my iPhone is and then I go ahead and sign Twitter's terms and conditions, like that completely erases any sort of privacy that I had before because now I've signed up to this arcane mm. mixture of stuff. It's not the iPhone's fault you've so signed like, through to something. When you have connected devices it's only as secure as what you're running on them, right? Yeah. So how are they factoring that in? I don't know. It's a huge... So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different stuff, it sounds like, that's going on. Um, again, there are some unanswered questions. Like, it seems like one of the things they'd have to have, like, this standard that they're looking for would have to be um, regular updates or the ability to update without um, user uh, okay. interference. Like, that seems like it would be, like, a logical idea. Like, if you're going to rate something on security and privacy, like... Samsung being able to push a software update to your connected fridge and you don't have to do anything actively to think about it because we all, we all know how bad users are at making sure things are up to date. Um, you know, that seems like it's a good thing. I don't know specifically if that's actually in their um, requirements. I know one of the big ones is during setup you have to set a custom username and password because that's like one of those weird things when you buy a router or if you buy like a connected baby monitor or you buy a, one of these other like weird little appliances, they have like default passwords and usernames that you either can't change or the way to change them isn't made immediately obvious and they just assume you're gonna roll with the default one. And that's how like the Mirai botnet happens. Yeah, that's, that's how you lose half the internet basically. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm interested, uh, so I'm one of the guys bought a Vizio TV so, Good luck right, yeah. On Arlo's recommendation, so one of our TV editors' uh, recommendation, I'm just going to add that in. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> happy with it, but obviously it was in the news recently because it um, they have a software that spies on what you view and it reports it back. Is that the sort of stuff that would surface in one of these uh, consumer reports? Um, that I'm not sure. That's the sort of thing that probably wouldn't be caught uh, initially. Even though it's in, the, it's in the user agreement, it's not secret. It's just that no one reads the it's, user Well, it's agreement. not just that. It's also, I think, um, the way a lot of those user agreements are phrased are intentionally confusing. Yeah. Even though there's, like, standards now about being in certain amounts of plain language, it really doesn't work. Like, they're still super confusing. 
Um, it's very easy still to bamboozle even when you're using, you know, plain English. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's the sort of thing that would be caught up here. This seems mostly focused on, like, security and privacy in the narrowest sense of the word as opposed to wor- wondering, worrying about what the company is doing with your information once you give it to them. It's more about uh, making sure you're not saving user data unsecurely, that you're not um, storing it perpetually, like that you're clearing out accounts and when you're, like if you're reselling a device, we had a piece from Violet Blue go up recently about uh, a guy who had access to his car through an app, even after he sold it. And he tried to like remove the car from the phone, tried to do all these things, and no matter what he did, he couldn't, he couldn't get rid of access to this car that he had sold years ago. He was still able to like turn it on, unlock the doors or whatever from an app on his phone. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> and it turns out that like the only people who had the ability to actually remove that access for him was the manufacturer, and there was no way to find that out easily and get that done. So that's like that's like one of the things that Consumer Reports is looking for. It seems like is you know when you transfer a product to somebody else, if you sell it to somebody else, there's an easy way to clear your data off of it or off the cloud storage portion of the product. So, so I was just going to say, is, is it analogous then maybe to iFixit, who gives a repairability score? So they they sort of deconstruct a product and and figure out how repairable it is, and, and Consumer Reports is going to sort of deconstruct the product, uh, air quotes, and give it a security score based on the measures it lets you control to to, to fix all that up. That seems a little bit more analogous. I don't know that they're um, giving it like a number score necessarily. Right. I think it's, I, if, I rem- if I remember correctly, I think it's basically like pass-fail, more okay. or less. Four padlocks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could, I could look it up real quick, but I'm pretty sure that basically what they're doing is they're just kind of setting like a baseline standard and it's a pass-fail kind of thing because this mm. is them still kind of uh, tinkering with what it's going to be. They haven't necessarily uh, wholly locked it in. This is They're referring to it, quote, as a first draft. So this is going to change mm. over time, I'm sure. Do you think that like having such a consumer, non-tech publication looking at security so seriously is going to actually push these non-tech companies into being more secure? Like, they have, like, such a big role in rating products that, like, there's this thing at every tech company, every company needs to be a tech company now. Yeah. Because, yeah, because tech is everywhere. And do you think that Consumer Reports is big enough and has enough sway that car companies and fridge companies are going to be taking this stuff a lot more seriously? I mean, I would hope so. That seems like it's the one good thing, like one of the good things that's going to come out of this is Consumer Reports being such a mainstream outlet, uh, something that consumers are very familiar with. It's the sort of thing that, like, if you get a Consumer Reports Best Buy, that's the sort of thing a car maker brags about in a commercial. Mm -hmm. So this is really drawing attention to that. And, you know, hopefully that means that manufacturers will have to start paying better attention to it because if you... As more and more of these appliances are getting connected to the internet, if you're getting a failing grade on security and privacy from Consumer Reports because your connected fridge doesn't let you change the password without jumping through a million and one hoops, you're not going to buy that fridge, hopefully. Cool. And how often does Consumer Reports kind of adapt what it does? I mean, is it like a dyed-in-the-wool format that's... Are they reluctant to change? Is this a big deal for them or I mean, this this is a pretty big deal for them. This is a pretty big change, but um, I... I don't work for Consumer Reports, obviously, what? so um, I, I don't want to speak too much about how resistant they are to change uh, and all of that. I mean, I think they they kind of catch up with the industry when it seems necessary. Sometimes they're a little bit more behind because they are kind of an older school, stodgier sort of thing. But this, I, I think they've, in general, been pretty much uh, willing to stay in locks on top of things. Um, I did look before while we were talking, and they do do s- software ratings and stuff. Like, they rate security software and things like that. So they've been kind of tied into that for a while. I guess I was trying to bring it back to that original question of, you know, are they late to this? Uh, you know, should have they have been doing it for a long time? I mean, I think that's – the thing is that it's kind of a hard question to answer, right? I mean, that's sort of the you point. You literally – I know. Question. That's the question we're trying to address. <laughs> I'm not saying it has a clean and easy answer. I mean – does, doesn't Gadget give a score for security and privacy in our reviews? Um, we do not. It's factored so into it. I it's guess, factored I guess into they're it. about on time. Yeah, they're about on time. I think that actually is the clear. <laughs> <laughs> we do factor it in, but we do not have a dedicated privacy and security score. You are right. So 
That would be so soul-destroying. Yeah. <laughs> For everything. For everything. Um... Let's move on to the second topic, though, for, for Flame Wars this week. And this one is, is silly. This <clears throat> is ridiculous. So the New York Times announced that they're going to be making some changes to the format of their A2 and A3 pages, so the front section of the paper. Um, and they're going to be including, um, like, sort of, like, little tidbits and facts, um, behind-the-scenes looks at stuff, like, all this sort of, like, weird bits and pieces of information, not your standard, like, big news story stuff that they usually front load. They're pushing that a little bit further back. The front page, to be clear, though, is not changing. Okay. Uh, But what they're also going to be including on the second and third page of the paper now are reprints of their reporters' tweets. (laughs) So they're just going to straight take tweets from reporters' timelines and presumably sans context just reprint them in the newspaper. That's a, lo- that's a big assumption. Um, so carry on. I'm sure they'd well, stand I mean, alone. They'd be standalone tweets. I'm in favor of this, so... Oh, okay, need, so, well, someone. my question, is this a sign of the apocalypse? No. No, <laughs> no. It's, a sign, no. it's a sign of a media company moving with the times. The New York Times. Oh, uh, get out. No, get so, off the podcast, yeah. Matt. <laughs> but seriously, you can't expect, like... Obviously, the MIT's doing really well at the moment, but yeah. you, you can't expect a company to run two separate versions of the same thing and have them be so very different. And I think this is a sign of the times that they're moving print closer towards the feel of the MIT homepage. I think it's not a big deal. I think it's literally them pulling digital into their print. It's like quoting a reporter or it's just something very sharp. It's like um, a big picture. It's like a little column. It's like a little nugget of news. I... Yeah, I, I find it hard to care too much about it. Like, two, two, three years ago, people were rolling their eyes when uh, the BBC, like, like the MIT, have but better, because it? it's British. Yeah. I, I've so, never heard of this thing before. It's so all new to me. The BBC started, like, screenshotting and inserting tweets into their articles, and everyone was like, this has no place in news, and now we don't even think about it. And it's, yeah, like, bringing in tweets, which is a huge part of journalism and mm-hmm. criticism and culture now into print is just fine. Well, I like to... I like the element of it where it's like everyone uh, criticized uh, Spicer for printing off his tweets and bringing them to his... Do you think they were inspired That's by That's like it? a huge thing in American government, right? Like I always see people <laughs> with like giant yeah. tweets giant in the tweet. Senate. Yeah, well, I mean, our Congress and Senate are jokes and they do weird, stupid things sometimes. They bring lots of stupid things on giant poster boards into that place. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of like that ridiculous component to it where maybe they're kind of introducing the sort of stalwart newspaper readers to this thing called Twitter. Here it is. We're going to print some for you. Um, I find it odd in that tweets aren't just the content of the tweets. You, there's the timeline. There's the time the stamp, thread. There's the person that's the written gift. it. There's the all-important gift that's embedded, and you're going to miss all of that. I mean, sure, you could print the it, picture. I, I think they have intelligent enough people working there that they probably will provide some context for these tweets. I don't think you're just. I just get mean like the. I, from the I mean Times. the interactivity of Twitter and. Yeah, I mean, if I can't tweets online. If I can't just hit the retweet button, what's the point? I'm. Yeah. How many people are going to sit there? You can photocopy it. I can't wait for old. Put it in traditional retweet. QR codes. Manual retweet. Take a photo. Well, this kind of reminds me of, I'll protect their anonymity because it's someone that works with us, but um, maybe a colleague, I'll call them Flamber, um, who was telling me a story about uh, someone in their family who used to, when they discovered stories they thought were of interest to them, they would print them off, pop them in a letter and post them to her, her, it, uh, them. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Real smooth. Real yeah. smooth. Right. So, so now that the anonymity is covered, um, yeah. <laughs> but this idea of taking a web page, printing it off, going mm. the ceremony of putting it in an envelope and posting it to you because it was of interest, I found infinitely sweet. And it is. There's lots of facets. There's another co-worker called Grimothy <laughs> who often <laughs> will print out his, uh, his drafts of his um, features and writing to proofread in a physical copy before... Going back to the digital copy. Yeah, we're going to get rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> you mean Grimothy himself? Oh, okay. yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Well, I mean, so here's my issue with this. I don't have problems with tweets appearing in my news stories. Like, I think people getting up in arms about screenshots of tweets on the BBC is, like, dumb. Like, that's a dumb thing to get upset about. Um and I mean, clearly, we haven't seen this in practice yet, so we don't, I don't, we don't know for sure what the final product's going to look like. But 
it kind of sounds like um, they're building like this weird sort of teaser page in hopes of like, this is gonna get you excited to read what's showing up later in the paper, which um, I feel like is a format that doesn't necessarily work in print. Like if you've bought the newspaper and you've made it to page three, you're already in. I don't need uh, Maggie Haberman's tweets to lure me further into the newspaper. I already follow her on Twitter if I'm that interested, probably. Um, but does the typical MIT subscriber use Twitter? Like print subscriber? I would say that's a reasonably fair assumption. I mean, I don't know about the uh, typical. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what the, the division is there. That's something you'd have to ask the New York Times. Like, like that's, that's something their research department would probably yeah, like, know. As someone in media, you're very likely to be following other journalists. I don't think many people pay as much attention to bylines yeah. and to journalistic personalities as we do. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, there's interesting bits and pieces. I think if they're presented in context, if it was like we're taking Maggie Haberman's tweets and putting it in her article that this tweet is re referencing or associated with or relevant to, that would be one thing. But it really does sound like they're just kind of like picking and choosing um, sort of like interesting quips from their reporters online and then putting them on this page so that you can go, that's an interesting set of report thing a reporter said once. Um, and so, I'm not sure what value that adds necessarily. So the only thing that upsets me about this is that I know somewhere behind this is a social media manager that is forcing NYT writers to make quips <laughs> on yeah. Twitter, and yeah. that is making me upset. And like you said, ones that would stand alone without too much context. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I, so think about it this way. Would it make sense for us to put a feed of all of the Engadget editors' Twitter accounts on the home page of Engadget? Like just constantly. Yeah, that used to be a thing. Like many we used moons to have ago, a rail it, it wasn't on, on the right. front page. But yeah. it, if you had, to, if you went to like the about page, there was like one a of rail those on the right with our tweets. Oh, yeah. I know. I think I would be fired if my tweets were pulled into the site. <laughs> I think that's so. why it's not there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why it's not there. I mean, connected <laughs> to how this redesign of the those first pages, the front section of the Times, they're also going to be adding highlights from the video and audio content that the team makes. What? Nice. I like how, it. How? How? QR, QR codes. Yep, QR codes. <laughs> IR. How? IR. It's all like Are they going to do a screen grab of a YouTube? <laughs> you have to flick the newspaper through the pages. Uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody to just post videos of like old people trying to press the play button. In oh, the no. Time. The screen <laughs> grab of, yeah. Just, it's going to be great. Um, let's just end that there. Let's That's, just end it on QR codes, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are the future. They are, clearly. Mm -hmm. Um Let's move on to our big topic of the week in group chat, where we kind of dig a little bit deeper on a story. Uh, I have a feeling that me and Aaron are going to yell a lot during this, or at That's least fine. do a, volu a, a version of whatever Aaron calls yelling. It's like one decibel louder than my current <laughs> Normal voice. speaking voice. Passive aggressive fuming, no noise. And anyone else is whispering is my yelling. Yeah. Um, so yesterday, WikiLeaks dumped a whole bunch of stuff on Probably the internet did. again, as they do. Um, I have a feeling this is just the first bit of it. They're going to tease it out again like they do. Isn't it just wonderful timing as well? I know. It's, it's, yeah, it's it makes It's clearly not related to anything else that Julian Assange and WikiLeaks would pick now of all time to release information that might discredit or smear the United States intelligence services, right? This is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. There's obviously no hidden motive. Uh, fucking Julian Assange. <laughs> Not a fan? Why don't we get that out of the way first before we dig into the story a little bit? Let's just get yeah. all of the all of the, the What's your problem rage. with Julian? Um, I mean, despite the fact that um, he's puts himself out as a bastion of transparency and decency while openly admitting his personal motives for destroying the United States political establishment and, um, and that, was that he won't go back and face his accusers uh, over rape charges. I mean, there's a, and just general douchebaggery. There's a whole lot of things to not like about him. Where do you, where do you want to stop? He's an, Aussie. Than he's, start. He's an Aussie. The hair. I mean, there's nothing to like about the hair. This is true. 
I you know, know like Aaron has some strong feelings about Assange as well. And hair. Yeah, like you've you've covered a lot of it. I might not have used the same words that you used, but would yeah, you like, have used more polite words? Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, I find that he holds himself to a very different standard than he holds yeah. everyone else, which is a problem for me on deep sea level. I think he's his cowardice in facing the allegations rather than charges in Sweden have been. Yeah, it's been very upsetting, like presenting yourself as being trapped inside somewhere that you have chosen to go inside and not come out for a couple of years. Yeah, it's all it's all very upsetting. And yeah. then he said that he would happily, I'm trying to remember the exact thing, but he promised that he would al- he allow would. himself to go to the US and it doesn't look like it's going to happen no matter what he says, he'll drive it out. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of problem with the way that WikiLeaks is managed. It presents itself as a large and vast organization, but it's very clearly very tightly controlled by one person Mm -hmm. to their whims. Um, He has no way of... He has no way of verifying all the information that he puts out. Obviously, some of it is verified, but, like, just by the nature of it being anonymous, he's also directly hurt and impacted people by not redacting information properly and that seems to have been getting progressively more and more sloppy as as we've gone like through time i think yeah. the initial cable dumps and the way they handled that was very good more recently it's felt like a political campaign yep yeah i think that's a uh, that's become a lot of people's yeah. problems with them <clears throat> in, in particular over the last you know year or two is at some point WikiLeaks stopped being an advocacy organization for radical transparency, which whether you believe in radical transparency or not doesn't matter. I do not. Uh, (laughs) But like, it went from being uh, an advocacy organization for that to a very politicized... um, Agenda-based. Yeah, like they have an agenda. Mm -hmm. They've, to use a... a, a, uh, a phrase that gets tossed around a lot. They've weaponized information, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and have used that to further Julian Assange's personal yeah. um, and agenda. To play devil's advocate to both of us. Um, <laughs> to, <laughs> no, to it's yourself. Good. To myself. Um, I do. I can understand why Assange has become radicalized. There has definitely been persecution of him. Let's leave the Sweden stuff to one side. There's obviously like, huge problems in Australia, in the UK, in the US. He is a very real risk of extradition Mm -hmm. on various things and he's very embattled and which makes one paranoid and I think truly believes that he's doing a very positive thing and no one is letting him do this thing and the the issue I have is that he didn't set up his organization to check his shit yeah like he no one is able to call him on it because he has all the power there and it's like when you have like Kanye West with all his hype men that yeah. aren't telling him not to do <laughs> this thing. Like, Assange just has hype men around him and no, no one checking him on his crap. Yeah. And that's a massive problem. Uh, what, I just want to say one last thing before we kind of move on to this, this particular story, which is, you know, I know that... I, I agree that I think, you know, he thinks he's doing it for good reasons. He thinks he's doing something noble. And I think... Uh, there are certain elements out there who think he's doing something noble as well, but whether it's noble and whether or not it's for the greater good, ultimately, you're still doing something that is considered by most governments to be highly illegal. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to do that thing, you need to understand and accept the consequences for that. I can be personally against jailing whistleblowers but also understand that the laws on the book say you're not supposed to do this thing and so to then to complain about being embattled and persecuted for doing a thing you knowing you knew was illegal to begin with and that was going to get you that sort of attention seems kind of silly it's like you put yourself in that situation accept it and deal with it and understand it that's fine seems to have a very like nihilist view right he just wants to change everything and burn everything down which is I mean sounds like a great idea to me but it's not (laughs) a very easy thing to achieve Um, when you're trapped in an embassy yeah so let's let's dig into this specific story now that we've gotten the Assange is a garbage monster off of our chests Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so 
they dumped the stuff about CIA hacking tools. Um, do one of you guys kind of want to run through that a little bit and tell us what was in these leaks, what was in these documents? I mean, I'll talk very briefly. Um, the thing that really concerns me when I started seeing like, seeing the headline on our site, because I think I was flying when this all came out, or I mm -hmm. wasn't paying attention at the time. Um, so on, on like the mobile side, there are apps that a lot of journalists use and people in governments, you've got Confide, you've got Signal, even down to WhatsApp and Telegram that have end-to-end -end encryption. And so like the headline item was that the CIA can read your messages on these things. Like the fact that these are encrypted services doesn't matter. And it turns out it's not quite as cold and dry as that. Yeah. Um, basically, if your device has been compromised, they have ways to see what you are writing in these me in, in these apps before it is sent and encrypted. Because obviously, when you're typing it into your keyboard, there's no encryption on the iOS keyboard. I assume. I would assume it's not. Yeah, either. not until you click send, and then it gets encrypted with a key, and et cetera, et cetera. And so, basically, a lot of it is about these governments circumventing encryption. And I'm sure someone else can talk to the other sections, but it seems to be they haven't broken AES. They're not like no, it's nothing not to like do with magical like encryption, encryption wizards. Yeah. It's like this is all the creepy stuff that the CIA, CIA allegedly can do to get around encryption. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, again, yeah, they haven't broken the encryption. Although, I will throw this out there that if you think that encryption is going to protect you, um, you're probably fooling yourself. I don't know about that. But that's how. I, I think <clears> that. To, to take that line is to encourage people not to use the very well, best no, encryption Well, no, here, here's what I'd say is you should be using encryption and you should be using encrypted apps if you want to protect your communications. But if you have made yourself a target of the FBI or the NSA or the CIA, right. Aaron, <laughs> those encrypted apps are probably not going to do much to protect you because even if they haven't broken that encryption specifically, those organizations have tools that will allow them to get your information. Yeah, I mean, as an immigrant, I, an immigrant, as a tourist, I could very well be asked at the border to give them access to my iPhone and they will copy all the data. So yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, but it kind of just reminds me of, do you remember when um, WhatsApp was giving it the big one about how they're encrypting end-to-end -end and McAfee went out public and said, We've we kind broke of, it. We've kind of broke it. And it turned out that was kind of exactly the same thing. They preloaded pre malware keyloggers. Yeah. So it's kind of, that, that seemed ridiculous and silly, but we're kind of saying the CIA has a sort of similar approach. And yeah. We're shocked about that. Well, because that's the easier way to do it. Breaking right. encryption is an extraordinarily hard thing to do. Uh, not impossible, but extremely hard. This is a way to circumvent rather than break, which seems like the easier way of collecting and information. Whenever you hear about, so Telegram had some trouble with its encryption fairly recently, and whenever you, you hear about problems with these encrypted services, it's never the algorithms themselves, but rather how they're being applied in yeah. the app. There's always there are those, these flash moments when you're not going to have an entirely end-to-end uh, -end system when, how do I put this better? Um, when you're doing end-to-end -end communication, unless you can encrypt every single part of that and leave no trace on any server, then you're not entirely secure. And so a lot of security people have had problems with Telegram because these messages are touching a server. They're not peer-to-peer. Mm -hmm. -peer. And that's what Signal does slightly better, but then Signal is tied to a phone number. There are loads of like attack vectors, as yeah. it were, and like privacy issues with each of these apps. No one has it completely perfect because at the end of the day, you can't encrypt it perfectly because it needs to be able to find its intended receiver, unless you're like putting it on a thumb drive that's entirely encrypted and handing it to someone. Uh, who knows? That thumb drive might have already been compromised. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of things. It's got to be, you got to know for a fact. Uh, got to open it up, examine it, like if you want to be yeah. truly paranoid about it. I mean, it. some of the more malicious uh, attacks uh, evolve um, like third world countries and more, you know, different places that aren't really Western Europe or the US, but they'd. Uh, embed, you know, sinister programs and stuff inside thumb cheap thumb drives that they sell at stores around embassies. Yeah, I remember reading. Yeah, and then so they'll buy these thumb drives, and they're already compromised, irrespective of what you've already putting on that. Mm -hmm. They'll start broadcasting that data as soon as they're plugged into mm -hmm. anything. Wasn't there in this particular like dump 
something about turning TVs into giant uh, microphones. Yeah, it's, it was a Samsung TV, yeah. yeah. And the idea that you just tw tweak it a little bit and the whole thing is just one giant mic yeah. that's broadcasting everything. Crazy. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's... Of course it's worrying, but, like, this is just something that, as, like, citizens that use technology, we all have to be aware of. Yeah. But, yeah, everything is a potential microphone everything is a potential camera because i mean to roll it back have, what yeah. what wikileaks, WikiLeaks uh, has is they've, they're reporting on all these uh, techniques that the cia has no not just uh, secure phones again on hardware that's already been compromised but uh, routers smart tvs antivirus software you know things that you'd hope would be protected against such nefarious aims of the cia <laughs> and is anyone that surprised that they have this stuff? No, right. I'm not. That's, that's, right. I'm, I'm not either. So that's like one of the things that I thought was, uh, you know, I'm not saying that this was good. Like, I'm not saying like I read this information and went great for the CIA hacking things. But I read it and went, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Like, you're mm -hmm. a spy organization. Mm -hmm. I expect you to be hoarding tools to spy on people. C can I be dumb and British for a second? Sure. CIA is the one that's not allowed to operate inside the US? Yes. Gotcha. Thank you. So CIA... So it's us. It's I, us who, who should be worried. Yeah. Not Ma you. Matt and I. Whereas I, know, they can't, I was going to say. Yeah. They can't legally use it against you. The NSA can use stuff against you. So the CIA can use stuff against... Uh, I actually think neither the NSA nor the CIA are technically supposed to be uh, spying on the American the citizens. The FBI? The FBI, yes, they're a cool. domestic. They're right. the domestic law cool. enforcement organization. Gotcha. Uh, the, Who's the spying on me right now? Um, probably right. both Always. the NSA and the CIA. I think that might be a camera. Which is how they <laughs> spy on me. I think every week. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's sort of the workaround for them. Is if you have communications with like a foreign national, that's how they go. Well, it's related to this thing, so we can collect your information. That was like Good. the big thing in the NSA. Yeah, leaks yeah. was all about. They were spying on American citizens who communicated with. So the NSA, the internet has been amazing for the yeah. intelligence agencies. Like if you, everyone is communicating with international people all the time. If you send an email and it bounces to a server in a foreign country, that was enough for them to kind of. <gasps> that like was how Sigmund worked, right? Like yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. That's that's the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I do, I do, I did kind of feel like I was like, okay, this is bad, like in a way. But also, not surprising, I, don't I didn't quite understand the immediate uproar that happened when the documents leaked. I mean, I don't know if you guys were like, this is horrendous and raising your fist in the I air. I think both of us were flying <laughs> like, <laughs> on the 24 I, I was very worried, like I said, when I first read about encryption not working, which was like the way that people were sharing it on Twitter on my timeline. And it was just like, yeah. oh, wait, no, well, this, I mean, this isn't accurate in any shape or form, so I'm good. That's partially because that's the way WikiLeaks phrased it, was to suggest that the CIA had compromised exactly Signal what you said WhatsApp about specifically. McAfee. It's like, no, you compromised, like, you basically have a key logger. Yeah. You you compromised iOS. Yeah. Like, you didn't compromise Signal. You it's didn't like break. you have a guy like James just peering over your shoulder when you put in your, yeah. your password on your iPhone. Um, He's not so denying it. I, no, <laughs> I was just it. got a bit oof, <laughs> awkward. Pressure. Um, I guess, are, are there ways that people can kind of protect themselves, though? Like, what's the best way to kind of, like, secure yourself at this so, point? You know, I mentioned, this is slightly tangential, sorry. Um, when I mentioned about me giving my phone to them and them copying it, what a perfect time to install a backdoor. Sorry, can I just say that? Yeah, like, no, I mean, that's... I'm like... I know a lot of international journalists and game developers, and this is this is happening to people fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. Like, if there mm -hmm. are these flaws that people aren't aware, then can you trust your phone? Like, I would probably wipe my phone as soon as <sighs> as soon as I got that back, which is such a hassle. But like, seriously, like if well, if you, you can wipe I, it before and then you don't. I was going to say, would you so, be as paranoid as to either get a phone specific for travel or to wipe your phone before you left so the country? I wrestled with this. And then I decided, for me personally, that it would look far worse for me to have a clearly fresh phone than it would to have like random text messages and embarrassing selfies that the border patrol are gonna have to look at. <laughs> like, I decided that a lack of, in, of personal information on my phone is gonna look like a way redder flag. Than You've got a pretty good alibi, alibi though. You're a tech writer, so you know. 
Yeah, you're I just got this new iPhone. Yeah, I'm right, reviewing the iPhone four. I got one. I need one that works. <laughs> I need one that works. I need one that works in the US. There's lots of. And it's true that the authorities have a great opinion of journalists right now. So yeah, we're also kind of giving away our our strategy. Well, I mean, no, I I'm, this. I like I'm only communicating by pen and paper from now on. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Which sure. definitely cannot be read by anyone. My text messages are going to be written you, on little slivers of paper and I hand use, them like, to you in the hallway. Ink Fun iron factoid, I can't really write. I can only type. <laughs> and that's not even And apparently with only two fingers we learned earlier yeah. Yeah. before we were recording. So basically, we're, we're all going to start printing our tweets. This is sort of yeah. what the New York Times is this doing, is the is the circumventing <laughs> security. This is the last that's podcast. Next week, you'll have an LP delivered to your house. Yes. I oh only use God. those invisible ink pens. That now. would be the best if we could deliver the podcast and LP to people's doors. I'm just going to throw it out if there. The I think you, you hit on a success tweets. story. Oh, so New York. So uh, New York. It's so, it's so dumb, but so good. Um, Sorry, what was the question? I I run into how can you protect me? yourself? How, how can, can you, you defend yourself? yourself? I mean, that's Continue, like, stay abreast of developments by checking out Engadget.com. <laughs> um, no, plug, but, like, plug? Yeah, like, no, stay abreast of developments, follow people that are reporting on this stuff. Like, I don't report on security stuff, but I'm semi-learned in it because I read people that are. Um, yeah, continue using encrypted apps rather than unencrypted apps. Don't hand your phone to strange gentlemen in dark alleys. Um, yeah, like, just generally, like, <laughs> follow best security practice, which I think we lay out quite well when we write about security. We have Violet, who's very, very good and does a weekly column for us that can tell you how to stay secure. Um, I don't think you have to suddenly change the way you, you do things. Most, rather than, rather than things changing, um, rather than us having to change our, our, our behavior to use technology safely, it feels like all of the tech companies are changing their behavior so that technology is just safer. Um, HTTPS is now the majority of the internet. Every single chat app has encryption of some sort. So and Apple's yeah. pushed back on the whole backdoor. Exactly, yeah. Like it's, it feels like everything is going to be, everything is going to be safer because, because of these flaws coming out so regularly. Do you find it that often, for me, the situation is, it's, I'm not really that worried about making my stuff secure because I don't really have anything. I haven't interest. got that many secrets <clears throat> to hide. But it's the principle of it. I just, I'm like, well, I don't want you looking at my shit, right? Or I want to keep it safe out of principle rather than yeah. I'm wor actually worried about my own personal information. I, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, you know, I'm the kind of person who doesn't like set his Instagram or Twitter to private. I don't give a shit who follows me. I'm a relatively open book about most things. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also like, this is still my stuff. Don't go through my stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess keep your shit updated <laughs> is really what it boils down to. Yeah. If you want to get real paranoid about it, you can get Signal and these apps. You can make. And you sure. can just buy phones are cheap now. Even get smartphones a, are cheap. Yeah. Get a VPN. Yeah. I mean, anytime me and Matt want to talk crap about you, we go on Telegram. We set up a private chat that yeah. auto destructs. It's mm. great. Yeah, that's how it should go. Yeah. Uh, any other last thoughts? Do you want to yell about Julian Assange some more before we kind of wrap this up? No, I think you like stole all of our thunder. Was, you, you covered every single. You like dropped the, the f bomb within the first three sentences. Yeah. I, well, because fuck that guy. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Wrapping it up with another. Ah, it's my favorite play. Favorite way to end the show is with an f bomb. Nice. Um, actually, we do have one last thing before we kind of. Uh, go. I like to e end on a little bit of a an up note after yelling a whole bunch because uh, usually the the group chat segment is a bit of a downer. Mm. Um, <laughs> you yelling? You should try to fix that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of where we tackle serious subjects, and it's a it's a weird, you're, messed up world we live in right a now. Very passionate man. Yeah. Um, so we've been kind of we we've been closing things out with what we're calling the wind down. Uh, we still. We're still looking for a name. I don't know how I feel about that like as a permanent thing. Uh, so if you have suggestions out there for a name for this segment, please send them to us. This is uh, kind of just want to see what you guys are listening to, watching, reading, whatever it is. Just like give a recommendation to people to go check out. Something that's either important or makes you feel good about stuff. You know. Can I do two things? I mean, you can. You can't Here's do the, the thing. thing I'm going to talk about. It. You it guys, won't be. It won't be. you it's guys not, can wait, recommend. Does it have to be about technology, or can it just be like music that I like? No, literally. Last week I recommended. Uh, what did I recommend last week? I think last week I recommended like a weird Krautrock album. Cool. 
So uh, my favorite thing I'm doing right now is I'm kind of obsessed with one EP. So I'm from Croydon, which is like a really crappy place just out, just inside Aww. of London. And the music scene's there's really kicking off. Stormzy, who people may or may not have heard of, is from Croydon. But probably my favorite artist at the moment is Ray, who's that's R-A-Y-E. And she's kind of like in between genres, kind of R&B with some grime in there. And she's just very, very good. Yeah. Oh, also this camera, which won't be great for video, but I have <laughs> in my hand a a Fujifilm GFX, which is like a 50 megapixel. It's ridiculous. Medium format camera, and I'm going to go and, and play it. And what does medium format mean? Medium format. Um, I can show you on the video really easily. Ooh. It means Ooh. that the it's just a giant sensor, sensor is right? Just enormous. It's way it's bigger huge. than like 35 mil. So we've been working at the New York office this week, and mm -hmm. Aaron's just been stalking us all with this camera with a ridiculous yeah. sensor. Staring at our pores and wrinkles. And I've, been, <laughs> I've been annoying Mona the most. Yeah, that's, that's important because she hates having her picture taken. Yeah. Yeah. Picture taken. Those are the best ones. Yeah. Uh, so, do you want to recommend a specific album from Ray? <sighs> Don't ask me that. Just okay, let's, we can let's go around and then I remember. You'll maybe you'll have a, a good album called. by then. Uh, James, what do you what have you been doing? So I was really panicked. You probably just maybe saw I was panicked going through my Netflix recently viewed, and I was like, can't talk about that, can't talk about that. That's way not cool. Um, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so, But one thing I have been watching on Netflix, um, which is Lovesick. I don't know if any of you guys... It's a, actually a British thing. But it used to have an awful name. It used to be called Scrotal Recall. Nice. Oh, right. Jesus. Good right. name. No, um, no. I'm going to go with that's a pun that's gone too far. Right, it is. <laughs> that's so too much. It was on, like, I think Channel 4 or something like that. And then they rebranded it Love Sick, and it's on Netflix now. It's actually kind of, it's just like a sort of uh, funny series, but it's actually quite layered. There's a bit of pathos, and, and they've got do interesting things with timelines and stuff. So the, the format is so that they've set it up. They can pretty much go as far back in time as they want in, in this guy's story and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting a bit of a uh, rare find I and wish they did call it that's Netflix that you can watch in the US uh, in the US I'm pretty sure it would be in the UK yeah. as well for yeah. sure. Matt what have you been doing so just before I flew to New York I took delivery of my Switch and I own a grand total of two games that's um, more than most people I think it's half yeah. of what I've got right um, <laughs> so fancy <laughs> uh, so I've been obviously playing Zelda to death because it's incredible I've never finished a Zelda game um, really I've never, ever finished. Like, I've got Ocarina of Time. I've got as far as the Water Temple, which is a very... Monster. Yeah, it's a milestone of a sticking point in that game. But it's incredibly well-made. It's beautiful. They've Nintendo don't really do open-world games, and here they do their first Zelda for the Switch, and it's so beautiful and well-thought-out. There's so much character. There's so much work that's gone into it. All these little side quests and gathering things. There's just so much detail and, like, quaintness and... It's really got like this thick varnish of Ghibli to it all, like the old lady mm -hmm, characters mm -hmm. you meet, the kind of quaint little animal creatures, and it's all just so beautifully done. You, you, you don't care that this isn't as powerful as your PlayStation 4 or your Xbox One. It's just, oh, it's so good. Is it enough to buy a whole console? I don't think so, but it's a really good start, and I'm totally happy, and there's lots to do in Zelda, which means I don't need another game for a month or two. The EP was called Second. Second? I, I looked it on my phone. Okay. So Aaron is rec recommending Second from Ray. Yeah. Okay. It's really good. Also, British TV shows. I discovered that. Whoa, whoa. You, you, you having a second recommendation? It's a I third am. recommendation, <laughs> actually, because he's recommended so, the camera, too. No, but I discovered uh. that it was on Hulu. So there's a BBC series called In the Flesh, which is like a really, really intelligent take on... Is it one of your arty things? No, no. It's, is it a thing? Like, do I have to read? Is it about a guy who designed pencils? <laughs> <laughs> is it beige? It's a young adult uh, TV series about zombies, and it is very, very intelligent. The first season is incredible, and I found out it was on Hulu. Okay. Since I've been staying in the US, so I've been watching that, and you should too. All right, I'll have to give that a shot. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at all, you've probably realized that um, I've been listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails recently. <laughs> um, Broken, fixed, what era? Well, I just discovered that there is a definitive edition of The Fragile, and I had to buy it. Um, and I know it's old, but I'm going to recommend that everybody just go get it. So you buy albums? Yeah. How old are you? Grandpa Terrence. <laughs> Well, here's the thing is, I don't have the physical vinyl yet, but yet. there's like, uh, they, along with the vinyl, you get like high resolution, lossless, remastered digital copy of the album too, and I've been listening to that on some like really nice headphones at home, okay. and it's 
I forgot how beautiful that album is. Like, I, I know you're kind of an uh, audio nerd, too, mm-hmm. a bit. Like, just the production on The Fragile is so good. It's just, it's epic in every sense of the word in a super good way. Um, I also suggest that everybody go read the review of the album on Pitchfork, which, whether or not you like Pitchfork doesn't matter. Just read the original review of The Fragile on, the pitch, on Pitchfork, in which they trash it horrendously. <laughs> they give it, like, the worst score. They think it's a piece of garbage. And then they re, uh, re-reviewed it uh, as the definitive edition and gave it a great score. And basically the whole end of the review is them daring the previous writer to, like, uh, contradict him and basically saying that The Fragile, if you loved something as self-involved and over-the-top as uh, Beyonce's Lemonade, then all of your criticism of The Fragile is completely unfounded. Um, it's just There's super good. There's pitchfork about this album, is what you're saying. Yeah, okay. and it's, it's just great to watch it sometimes. Right. Uh, I think that's about it. Um, where can the fine people find you on the internet, Aaron? I mean, gadget. I mean, do you? We're on Twitter. (laughs) Oh yeah, I do have Twitter. I have like really bad names on all of my social media stuff. So on Twitter, I'm Aaron is social, which I think is actually a pretty good one. On Instagram, I'm Soupstagram. (laughs) Wow. On Skype, I don't care. Hit me up. Aaron has a Skype. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think that's a first. Is somebody giving out their Skype on the show? (laughs) I'm down in Lonely Bay. Okay. Call me. Uh, James, where can the fine people find you? I had to actually write it out because I always flub this when I have to say it. So on Twitter, I'm it's true, I-T-S-T-R-E-W. On Instagram, I'm that's true because it's true wasn't available. <laughs> Good story. Uh, Matt? Uh, so I'll just give my Twitter out. It's uh, that Matt Smith, Matt with one T. Um, What's your phone number? <laughs> 07, new phone that I can't remember. I'm, I know you're Just watching me, five, CIA. Five, five, five. Uh, I am at Terrence O'Brien. Lots of E's, no A's on Twitter. Um, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure to come back next week. Subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Review us in iTunes and all that fun stuff. Um, you know That's how it helps other people find the show. And, of course, we always want more people to watch or listen. And please send us your feedback, your comments, your questions, your criticisms. If you just want to tell me how ugly I am, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. It's fine. Will do. Uh, <laughs> you can also find us uh, it's at Engadget Podcast on Twitter, or you can email us podcast at Engadget. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the show. Thanks for joining me, guys, and thanks for watching. Does this want to play the hardstyle outro? Yeah, this you can play the hardstyle outro now. I, don't know if, I didn't even have it queued up. So well, that's your own uh, damn fault. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs>